so God bless much. you, Gareth. I appreciate you, my friend. I really do. Thank you, Jen. Can we give it up for Jen? Whether she likes it or not, <clears throat> I'm happy to be here. I really am. Some of you will recognize me. I was here last year and I was here this morning. I'm pre- it was earlier this year. There we go. Give it up for Jen again. <clears throat> there we go. Jen's, you know, people compare me and Jen. Well, a pastor did in South Africa. He said, I just see Jen and Andrew like two parts of a car. Like I used to be a test driver for Range Rover, okay? So they would say, I see Jen and Andrew like two parts of a car. They would say, Jen's the engine. And I'm like, oh, where's this going? They say, and Andrew's the exhaust. <laughs> they said, Jen gets, where, Jen gets Andrew where he needs to be. And Andrew makes the noise. <laughs> Occasionally backfiring. I didn't, quite, I didn't quite like that introduction to the platform, but hey ho, we're here. We're blessed. It's the afternoon. Lean in. If any of you have got meat in the oven, you're expecting God not to move. because there's a timer on it, right? And I guess you want to be home in time for that timer. Well, this is the last service that I'm preaching this Sunday, and I am in no rush to go home. I actually have six or seven days off. So lean in. Guys, listen, before I get into what I want to share with you, and I believe it will encourage you, somewhat provoke you, let's hope it even excites you, because the Word of God should excite us, right? It sets us free, it sharpens us, and we can speak it and see the captives set free. Before I do, some of you will notice there's envelopes on your seats. Okay, what they are for, they're for Jen and I and our ministry. We travel extensively, we need help. We go to some of the most peculiar places. I'm going to Honduras, well actually I'm going to San Pedro Sula in January. I'm going to South Africa to a place in Durban called The Bluff. Literally we put food out last time and it was literally like zombies came out from nowhere. It was crazy. We get to go to these places, but in January, I'm going to San Pedro Sula. Some of you may or may not have heard of it. I hadn't, but I said, yes, I'll go. A friend of mine, we're doing five crusades in the town centers, five different venues, and we're doing crusades. So I'd never been, and I went, yes, I'll go. Felt a peace from the Lord. Yes, I'm in. Send me, Lord. So I went on Google after I'd committed to go, and I went, what's San Pedro Sula like? Well, here it is. San Pedro Sula, Honduras, has been given unf- the unfortunate title of the most dangerous city in the world. Amen. <laughs> Send me. I'll go. And I will go. I was in Mexico this year and we led over a thousand people to the Lord. We need your help. There's our envelopes. If you want to, there's the given link. It's stewardship. If you want to become a monthly partner with Jen and I, honestly, guys, we need your help. And our, our ministry wins souls. So if you want to sow in, that's great. Gareth is going to give you a bit more guidance on that towards the end of the, the service. We also have over there, some of you may have noticed, shame, shamelessly modeled by oneself. <laughs> and my brother there. <laughs> and my sister there. And my other brother there. We have our others merch. Some of you may say, well, what does others mean? Well, I'm glad you all asked. It comes from Luke 6, 31. Do unto others as you'd have them do to you. During the lockdown, we, um, we opened up this merch line. 
Because in the lockdown, what we, what we saw, especially around what was going on in America that creeped over into the US and what was going on with the vaccines, whether you're pro or against, what was going on in racial tension with the George Floyd thing and what was going on. We had racial, political and medical tension. People all felt that their opinion needed to be heard. Well, I think, well, actually I know truth needs to be heard. It's the truth that sets people free, not our opinion. So we opened up this merch. Luke 6, 31. Do unto others as you'd have them do to you. Treat people with dignity. Respect one another. Build up one another. And that's what the message is. Luke 6, 31. And we, we give 10% of our proceeds, or our profits, should I say, to charities. We help people in Afghanistan with Bibles, the tear fund, families. What else have we done, sweetheart? Food bank, homeless shelters. We give, do unto others, right? I mean, I hope some of you would like an Aston Martin because you can do that onto me <laughs> if you want, but I can assure you I don't have one. I don't. So guys, if you want to buy some of them, get over there and fill your boots. It is Christmas in 28 days. Don't want to be manipulative, but <laughs> it is Christmas in 28 days. Why would you need to go to shops when you can sow into a ministry? Anyway, back to why I'm here, to preach the gospel, or at least God's word, which is the gospel. It is good news. We all like good news, right? There is good news, and then there's the good news. It is good, it is good news when the sun comes out and it's nice and sunny, but that good news doesn't set anyone free. It is true that I have a pair of suede boots on. That is true. But there's a true truth that sets people free. Me wearing these boots could actually be a stumbling block for some people, depending on whether you like them or not. But there's a truth that sets people free. And we must get this truth to people in order to see them set free. This Bible, this God-given instruction, it works. I know, I was set free by the very man himself, Jesus, by the God-man. He set me free. He set me free. And I want you to know that God wants to use you to set their captives free. It's amen. Who said amen then? Amen. Amen. We need to get all the God stuff in our heart and all the God stuff in our head, in our mind. We need to get it out of our mouth. Because faith comes by hearing, not by hugging. Faith comes by hearing, not by hugging. Atheists hug one another. Satan worshippers hug one another. Faith doesn't come by hugging. It comes by hearing, although hugging's a wonderful thing, depending on who you're being hugged by, but that's besides the point. So this is what we want to do. We want to get this word out and we must tell people because they need setting free. I have some scripture that I want to read to you and then I'm going to unpack it and hope that it builds you up, it edifies you and encourages you and even provokes you to say, I'm going to draw a line in the sand and I'm going to step over it today because I am going to give God my platform. And some of you may say, well, I don't have one. Yes, you do. Your platform is the square foot in which you stand in. And what I would definitely what I definitely know is true. You're always in that square foot. It's never vacant. You're always in it. It's 
always, always someone in that square foot in at you. So we must give God the platform. See, I can step down here and still preach the gospel because I preach it from the square foot in which I stand in. And wherever I go, there I am. It's interesting. Wherever I go, I find myself there. The question is, what do I do when I get there? Because when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you can go places and when you get there, you can do things. You can do things that the world cannot do. The world is not raising the dead with prayer. The world is not turning graves into gardens. It's not turning rivers into highways. We can preach liberty Freedom and watch the captives, watch the chains fall off. 2010, I met Jesus. I'd never been to church. I'd never heard the gospel. I didn't know any of you guys, not even my wonderful wife. I didn't know anyone in this room. No one. I'd never been to church. I'd never heard the gospel. I did not know the tomb was empty. I had no idea that I could say sorry this time, meaning repent, and be accepted by a loving father. I had no idea until someone just like you. Not quite like you. He was a six foot six man with a goatee. But <laughs> someone just like you, with simple faith, who actually believes that God can do what he says. Someone just like you, someone like you, someone like you. Fraser, someone like you. Someone like you. They told me that Jesus could set me free. And do you know what they told me? I was in a dining room, in a bungalow, in witness. It cannot get any less glamorous. They told me, this is what they said, because they simply believed that the truth sets the captives free. They simply believed it. They said, someone in here wants to give their life to Jesus now. And I knew it was me. I knew it was me. I'd never been to church. I'd never heard the gospel. I'd never read the Bible. I didn't know that there was beautiful Taylor guitars in church. I didn't know there was normal people in church. It's debatable. Depending on what church you go to. I had no idea that we, that I could have this new life. And the man walked into a dining room. He was the manager. His name was Ian. He walked into the dining room of a bungalow in witness. I was about to have my first Bible study. And he said, someone in here wants to give their life to Jesus now. And I knew it was me. I'd never been to church. I'd never heard the gospel, but I felt something pulling me in. My sister, now I know it was someone and not a thing. You see, because the comforter, Jesus says, I must go. And when I go, I will send the comforter. Who'll do what? Who will lead you into all truth. The comforter grabbed me. I felt his presence. And he lifted me out my feet, off my seat. And he brought me to Ian, who was talking about Jesus. I said, Jesus, if you're real, save me. And set, uh, sorry, I said, Jesus, if you're real, save me. And I felt the hands of God touch me. Page nine years of addictions, out of me. Filled me with the Holy Ghost and fire in a moment. 9.15 a.m., cocaine addict, alcoholic, self-harmer, suicidal. 9.16 a.m., Jesus, will you save me? Yes, I will. Touch me with his hands. Purged nine years of addictions out of me, brought me into the right mind and out of my mouth came a heavenly language. Some people say praying in tongues is not for today. I didn't imitate it. I want you to imagine this. 9.15 Suicidal, cocaine addict, not wanting to live. 
full of scars, full of torment. Alcoholic. 9.16 a.m. Completely set free, praying in a language I'd never heard. I want you to grab this just for a moment. That in itself, you could imagine, would be enough. I want you to just imagine this. This is the power of God. This is what the power of Almighty God does. I was in that room, a dining room in witness. And I want you to imagine nine years of that life, cocaine, snorting, self-harm, an alcoholic, living on and off the streets, absolute mess, being set free and praying in tongues. I'd never been to church. I'd never heard it. I want you to imagine this. I was the very first person I ever heard praying in tongues. Can you imagine? I was the very first person I ever heard praying in tongues. So you can't tell me it's not for today. Because if it's not, I'm clearly deceived. And I know I'm not, because I'm a sheep and I know his voice. He set me free and he can set anyone free. This is the power of Almighty God. This is the power in the name of Jesus. He is beautiful. But I want you to know, and I know you know, his name is above all names. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. But I want you to know, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying his name is not enough. But I was in Mexico doing five crusades in Jan or Feb, just gone. And I guarantee you, if I stood on the pulpit like this and I said, do we have anyone here called Jesus? Hundreds of hands would have gone up. <laughs> Jesus. So was it the name or the person behind it? For too long, Jesus has been a household name and not a household king. Household name. We throw the name around like it's Netflix. Did you see what Disney have just put on? That TV? Sign with all kids and they spelled Santa wrong and they put Satan. I love you, Satan. And then they play with it. Ah, we were just making people think, what? Kids! Stood there with, pla with big placards on, on steps going up. I love you, Satan. Kids, Disney. Am I against Disney? I'm against that. As this the place, as a guest speaker to come against that? Absolutely. We're here to tell people the truth and the truth sets people free. So we, as a body of Christ, have been called by God himself as ambassadors, as if God himself is speaking through us. That's crazy. Because I know me. I live with me. And yet God calls me his ambassador. He says, Andrew, I will speak through you if you just let me. So the easiest thing for me to do is let him. Bible says, I think it's in Mark 2.22. Let me just see. It's in Mark 2.22. It says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new skins. Let me tell you why I'm saying this. Because I believe if we want to see something new, an outpouring of new wine in our life, 
The Bible says no, God, no one pours new wine into old skins. So how do you get a new skin from a recent death? Don't worry, guys, I'm not speaking death over you. <laughs> but maybe we need to put to death an unfruitful habit in our life. Put it to death so God can pour in something new. Could be an impoverished thought. Could be an impoverished mindset. It could be anything but the mind of Christ because the mind of Christ is not impoverished. It hears and it believes what the Father tells him and he does it. So I'm here today to tell you in the greatest level of love that I have for each and every one of you that I believe today we can draw the line under the sand. We don't have to wait till January the 1st to hear God. Okay, we don't always have to wait to a mon for a Monday to do the right thing. Like, you know, everyone like, I'm gonna eat, I'm gonna eat healthy next year. But if that lands on a Wednesday, well, it's gonna, you're gonna have to wait till the Monday, right? Because that's what we do. And then there's too much food in the cupboards to go to waste. But let's push that back another month. We'll start the middle of Feb. You don't have to keep putting off what is right to do. Let's do it now. Let's get this thing on with Jesus and let's run. Because I'm telling you now, for 33 years of my life, I didn't know him and life was tough. Then someone like you, someone like you, someone like you, Ben, someone like you, someone like you told me about him and my life has never been the same. So I endeavor to tell as many people about him and trust that he does what he says he can do because he did it in me and he's done it in you. So why wouldn't we want to go and tell the world about this king, this resurrected king, this giver of life, the bread of life, the true vine, the resurrection of life, the way, the true and the life, the good shepherd. He is all of these things. He says, I am seven times. The number, of com the number used for completion in the Bible is seven. Jesus is saying, hey, I am completion. I am completion. So therefore, we must get him out to everyone who doesn't know him. Let me read some more scripture to you. And then I want to get to actually what I believe God wants me to say. Who was here for the first service? Wonderful. Okay. That didn't work. Okay. <clears throat> well, that's great to be fair. It's great because it means that, yeah. Anyway, let's go. Colossians 4. Verses five and six. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. I find this interesting. Live wisely among those who are not believers, wisely, and make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Let yours Yours and mine, let our conversation be gracious and attractive so that you'll have the right response for everyone. It seems that if our conversation is gracious, forgiving, loving, welcoming, honoring, and attractive, hey, look at this, he's amazing. It seems, the Bible tells us, well, it does tell us, that it's the right response for everyone. Whether they accept it or not, it's the right response that we have a responsibility to let our conversations be gracious and attractive, living wisely among non-believers. Nothing worse than a negative believer in front of a positive non-believer. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. 
that if non-believers are the ones who are changing the atmosphere in a room full of believers, it makes no sense to me. None. When we are seated in heavenly places, not arrogance lording it over them. No, 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 no. We are the ones who speak light into darkness, truth into lies, healing into sickness. We are the ones who set the captive free in his name. We're them. We're that people. We're God's kids. He's our dad. I'm his child. As Gareth was saying, I read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and there's one message. God wants his kids back. Well, he's got me back and I'm going to go and get more. And I know by the, by the enthusiastic nods of your heads <laughs> that you guys want in. I say it like this. God's moving and I want in. I want in. God, what are you doing? I want to go. Calm down, Andrew. I won't. I'm coming with you. I'm coming. And the Bible says, you have not because you ask not. Keep knocking. I'm that kid. Can I have? Can I have? Lord, I'm going with you. I'm going with you. If there's any scripture that is non applicable to me, which they all are, don't hear what I'm not saying, it would be that one. Because I keep asking, God, can I have? God, can I have? My wife's like, oh, my days, what are we doing now? We're going here. We're doing this. We're doing this. God's amazing. Yes, He is. Let's go. Let's have our conversations. Let our responses be of gracious and attractive so that they want what we have. Should I say they want yeah, what we have and who we have. We have him, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who sets the captives free, the one who brings peace into chaos, joy into despair, healing into sickness, light into darkness, truth into lies. This is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who took me from being a filthy, wretched man to bringing me over here, to cleaning me up, to washing me clean, to fixing my mind, to removing the addictions, to removing the scars, to bringing me a wonderful wife, to getting me a great job, and then calling me out and putting me on platforms all around the world to tell people about one man. His name's Jesus. I don't have all the answers. Thankfully, I'm in a relationship with a man who does. He's amazing. He sets us free. So Jesus wants to use you everywhere you go. He wants your nine to five. He wants your office. Let me read some scripture. I'm gonna read from Luke five. I'm gonna read about seven or eight verses. If you have your Bible, turn to it, but don't worry, we're gonna move on quite rapidly. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake, the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. We saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, I want you to hear this, Master, we've worked hard all night but haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down my nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. 
When Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had. Astonished. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats upon the shore, left everything and followed him. Powerful, 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 powerful. Just imagine this. Jesus walks down to the shore, sees two boats, one belonging to Simon. Hey, Simon, can I have your boat? Simon, like, take it. So Jesus takes it. He says, hey, push me out. Like, push him off the shore so I can reach the people. Jesus teaches the people from Simon's boat. Blows my mind because I know you guys read the same Bible as me, maybe a different translation. Today I'm reading from the RSV, which is the real Scouse version. But I know that some of you will be reading at least, we're all reading the same Bible, just a slightly different translation, right? And I know that you know, because we read the same Bible, I know that you know that Jesus has no issues with water. He doesn't need the boat. Moreover, if I was Jesus, thank goodness I'm not. Okay? If I was Jesus and I wanted to get your attention, in fact, let me tell you what I would do, Andrew Cannon. Where I live, we have a number of parks, okay? And inside those parks, there's a number of lakes. They're called boating lakes. Never seen a boat on them. That said, there's plenty of ducks and whatnot. Now, I'm a man of faith. I have no idea how much faith I have, but I'm a man of faith. I simply believe. Can any of you actually tell me how much faith I have? I don't know. Is it quite possible? And it is quite possible. I hope it's not. But it is quite possible that I have the least amount of faith in this room. It is quite possible. I mean, can anyone tell me how much I have? Can I tell you how much you've got? Do you believe? That's enough, right? But I know that Jesus can walk on water and he says that we'll go on to do even greater things than him. And I just want to tell you something that's a bit of a secret. We were on holiday a bit earlier on this year and we went to the swimming baths with a bunch of my nephews, younger nephews and niece. And inside I thought, I'm going to give this a crack. I'm going to have a go. <laughs> so there's the water's edge. I'm there with a pair of Under Armour on looking not unlike Jesus. Okay. And I'm like, I'm going to give this a go. Lord, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Kaboosh. Straight in, bang, under. I'm not saying I can't walk on water. I'm not saying that because I'll go on to do even greater things than me. I'm not saying that I can't. I'm just saying I haven't. Every time I try, the top of my head gets wet. <laughs> Every time. And I'm only comfortable in telling you that I've tried once. Oh boy, I've tried a number of times. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Kaboosh! Straight in. In the drink. Coming up looking nothing like Jesus. <laughs> but I know Jesus can. Every single time. 
He can walk out on water, defy the laws of physics and gravity, push on nothing and elevate himself. I don't know about you, but Victoria Park, which is two miles from my house, if I did that in the park, that would gather people's attention, right? It would be a little bit less dramatic if I hired out a boat, if they were there for five pounds for ten pounds for half an hour, and rolled out and stood on the boat and went, hey, everyone, Jesus loves you. That's amazing. But I just don't think it would capture their imagination and their attention more than if I walked out on the water and went, hey, everyone, Jesus loves you. Some will run for the hills because there's a man levitating above the water, but some would go, oh my days, this is amazing. What's this man got to say? But Jesus doesn't do this. He doesn't do this. He says, Simon, give us your boat. Simon goes, go ahead, take it. Push me out, and he does. And Jesus teaches the people from Simon's boat. He doesn't need the boat, so it raises the question, what's Jesus teaching us here? Because he's always teaching us. He's the teacher. He's the rabbi of rabbis, the teacher of teachers. He's amazing. What is he teaching us here? I think Jesus is teaching us something. You have something I need. Not me, Jesus. Jesus is saying, you have something that I need. I keep picking on you. You're just like right in my eyeline here, okay? It's not, it's not personal. I love you and you're just in my eyeline, okay? <laughs> like, he wants you. He wants you. Like, I keep pointing at you. Stop it. He wants you, okay? Fraser, you're not hiding. He wants you. He wants you. You have something he desires it's your heart, it's your mind, it's your speech, it's this body, it's this boat. It's this boat, Jesus wants this boat. He says, hey, let me get in. Well, you live within us, Lord. We're filled with your presence, your power, your purpose, your proclamation, we're filled with you. Okay, push me out, not reject me, get me out there so I can reach the people. He's saying, I wanna push you off the water's edge so that I can reach more people. So are we going to keep our boat pegged into the shore or are we going to pull out that peg and let Jesus take us a little into the deep? Are we going to allow Jesus to take us away from where our feet are on solid ground and push us out a little bit into the deep? Jesus says to Simon, give me your boat. Simon says, sorry, Simon gives Jesus his boat and then later on Jesus says, say, Simon, cast your net on the other side. Now, how wide were them boats? Can we just go absolute charismania and say 10 foot? Would he eight foot? Would he six? I don't know. But what I do know, it was probably about from here to probably here. We're going to go eight foot? Let's just go bonkers. Let's go 10 foot. Now, I'm a fisherman. Fisher of men and women. Fisher of fish. I'm a carp fisherman. I love going fishing. It's a real time with that. Be still and know that I'm God. I enjoy going fishing. My wife comes along with me. She doesn't fish. She just talks. <laughs> Christine, now's not the time to encourage Jen. We love you, sweetheart, but not now. <laughs> Jen comes. She's amazing. But Jen has a different idea of fishing than me. Jen just finds the most idyllic spot. 
that says, why don't you fish there? Oh, sweet cheeks. That's not how we do this. This is not how we do this. Let me tell you what we do. Let me tell you what we do. We flex with all our knowledge. Because I've been fishing for 30 years, on and off. And I have the right rods for the right circumstances. I have the right line. Is it monofill? Or is it braid? I have the right hooks. Is it barbed? Is it micro barbed? Is it eyed or spade? I have the right bait. Are we using a pop-up? Do we want to lift that bait six inches off the ground? Or do we want to sink it? Do we want to use corn? Do we want to use boilies? Do we want to use pop-ups? Do we want to use bayonets? Do we want to use all of these things? I have all this going on. Do you want to know how nerdy it's got? I even know what bubbles carp blow up. <laughs> Excuse me. I even know what bubbles carp blow up. You see, because not every bubble is from a fish. Because plants breathe out oxygen. So is it a plant bubble? Let me get down. Let me see the frequency. Let me see the intensity. I'm a right nerd, right? So I'm like, that's, that's carp. Oh, I'm going, I got me. And I'm looking for the rolls in the water. You know, that could be tension. Well, what we're going to do, Jen? We're going to fish. Jen just goes, why don't you fish there? I say, why? She says, because that lily pad is lovely. I'm like, it doesn't work like this. So anyway, I do it. And I catch. See, because it teaches us something that all the knowledge and all the experience sometimes pales into insignificance. Sometimes pales into insignificance because Jen's with what little knowledge she has. And, and I say this in the greatest level of love and respect. I'm trying to win Jen back in here. Okay. Christine, help. And, uh, but Jen's not a fisherman or a fisherwoman. She's my wonderful wife and she comes with me. But Jen just says, why don't you just fish there? And honestly, it melts my mind. I'm like, it doesn't work like this. I've got a things to do list, a things to survey, a things to plan and produce and to tie and to pop up and to cast out. What weights, what strength of lines, I've got all this. What weights the wind blowing? She's like, are you having a laugh? The fish are in the water. Just get your line in there. Just put it in there. So, you know. As a good husband, I save myself a lot of strife and do as I'm told. And I put it in there. That's what? At least with one rod. Anyway, yeah. I have two rods. I put one where Jen wants and one where I want. <laughs> that could have, conversation could have been for the car on the way. <laughs> on the M1. Okay. And it just goes to show that actually... Small adjustments bring in big catches. Simon, he had the right boat. He had the right experience. He had the right team, the right equipment, and the right platform. And he said to Jesus, I've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I know, because I know the body of Christ. I'm around it all the time. I'm in different churches all around the world, conferences, this, that, schools, all around the world. And I know that the body of Christ is working hard. Don't muzzle the ox while it's plowing the field, right? And I know that you guys have got your hand to the plow and we love the Lord and we want to do, we want to do things for the Lord and none of you is shy, I hope, of putting your hands to the plow. We are working hard, but we're not seeing our church sink under the weight of newcomers. We're not seeing our churches sink 
aiming to the point where we need other people from other places to come in and help us with the influx of new people. We're not seeing that, but I believe we can because I believe it's God's desire for the body of Christ to get bigger. It's his desire, he's patient, long-suffering, desiring none should perish. This is God. He has come to seek and save that which is lost. So if we're following him, bet your bottom dollar that you will come across people who need him because he has come to seek and save that which is lost. He wastes no time. He never gets it wrong. So if we're following him in our path, there will be people he has come to seek to save. And if we follow him, they'll be on our footstep. So follow him. Give him your platform. Simon had the right experience and caught nothing. He had the right boat, caught nothing. He had the right knowledge, still caught nothing. The right equipment, still caught nothing. And then there's this little adjustment, which is what I want you to know. Sometimes the smallest adjustments in your life bring in the biggest of blessings. Let me say this. The biggest of doors swing open on the smallest of hinges. The hinges are always out of proportion to the door. If any of you have been to the National Trust or you're members of the National Trust, next time you go and you see these big grand houses, have a look at the hinges. They'll be big, but they'll seem tiny compared to the doors. Big doors of opportunities can swing open on the smallest of adjustments. Jesus said, Simon, throw your net on the other side. How wide was it? Six, eight, ten foot? As I said, me and Jen go fishing. She says, fish there. I'm saying they're there. Either way, they're in the water. The fish are in the water. Simon, throw your nets on the other side. Master, you can imagine Simon like this. I've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you said so, I will cast my net on the other side. He does so. It says that the nets begin, sorry, the boat began to sink in the other one. It says that the nets began to break. Do the gospel. His boat sinks, his nets break. That's how I want us to be. Our church is sinking in a healthy way, sinking with the weight of newcomers coming to church. And God wants you to do it. It tells us here clearly that the right, um, excuse me, that the right experience, the right knowledge, the right team, the right equipment and the right platform are good. But it tells us obedience is better. Because you said so. You see, some of us have the right platform, the right team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what we're lacking ever so slightly is obedience. Obedience, the love language of Jesus. If you love me, you'll obey me. So some of you say, well, I am obeying him. Glory to God. And you may say, but what I think he's asking me to do, we're not necessarily seeing the results. Stop. Just stop. Be still, know that he is God and ask him, ask him in the quiet time, God, you know I'm here. You have my boat. You have my team, you have my equipment, you have my experience, you have my platform. Is there a small adjustment that you want to make?
in my life so that when I cast my net out of my mouth is help, help, help. Look at all these newcomers. Look at all these healings. Look at all these disciples. Look at all this joy rather than I've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I'm telling you guys, God really wants to show off through you. He does. If there was a shop window with God, he'd put Jesus in you in it. It's the best he's got. It's the best he's got. Us. If you want to remind yourself how big God is, look around. This is it. This is the army. Now, God is more than happy, more than willing to use each and every one of us. My question is, are you prepared to make that small adjustment? Are you prepared to make that small switch in life? Can you come up and play keys? Okay. Because I know, I know deep down, I just know. Do you know why I know? Because I'm no different than you. I know deep down, each and every one of us want to see more disciples raised. We want to see more souls won. We want to see more healings. We want to see more deliverances. We want to see more joy. We want to see the truth prevail in our towns, our cities, and in this country. You want to see that, because I know you do. And I know that you want to be part of it. And if you don't, this message is especially for you. This is what I want you to do. I want you in your mind. I want you in your mind to picture that shore. And I want you in your mind to picture that boat. And I want you to picture Jesus asking you to get into the boat. And then I want you to picture yourself, him pulling out the peg from the shore and pushing you out. Because I know there's more for you. I know there's more for you. God has a lot more in store for you. And you have a lot more in store for God. If you are not seeing the things you want to see, if you are not seeing the multitudes come in, and if you haven't given your workplace to God, Simon's office was a boat, his workplace was the boat. If you haven't given your office, your retirement, your stay-at-home mum and dad, your nine-to-five, your night shift, your commute to school, if you haven't given that to Jesus and you want to give it all to Jesus today, can I encourage you to stand up? If you want to give it all to Jesus today, amen. 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 This is a healthy church, Gareth. It's a healthy church with a desire for more. Wonderful.
wonderful. This is what I want to do. I want each and every one of you to just rest out your hands like this. To receive. To receive, okay? Bible says it's better to give than to receive, but we can only give what we've received. So right now, I want to give in the name of Jesus. And I hope that you receive. And then when you receive, you can give. Look at this as oil being placed into your lamp. More oil, more oil, more power, more presence. More of an awareness of who you are and whose you are. More of the power and the presence, signs and wonders. So that when you work hard, you see the results. When He says, cast your net on the other side, it becomes easy. Because we are entering into a time of harvest. What do I mean by that? The harvest is always there, but the minds of the believers are being renewed and it is becoming evident that we are in it, in the harvest. So as I just pray and as I ask God to release something into you, to impart something into you, I ask that you just receive and believe that it's God. It is not the words of the minister. It's the words of God the minister preaches. Believe that God is here and He's for you and He wants to push you out a little from the shore. Just that little bit more. To where you have to make small adjustments in your life. To make that small adjustments in your life. I want you to raise one hand if you're willing to make them adjustments. The adjustments that God asks you. Amen. We have a healthy church. We have a healthy church. Obedient ones. So as I pray and as I believe God will impart to you, I want you to do something. I don't want you to sit or stand, should I say, or sit and listen to me praying. I want you to come to God too. And I want you to say, God, I give you my platform. Use me. God, I give you my platform. Don't just say it once and then calm down. Let's go after this. This is for you. It's for Him. It's for me. It's for you, me, we. This is for us. God is for us. And He wants to pour out enthusiasm, excitement, joy, power, His Spirit, so that when we go onto the high streets, into the school, into the back of an Uber, into wherever we are, we can preach the gospel and share who Jesus is. So as I pray, I want you to lift up your voice too. You ready? I said, are you ready? You're gonna ask God to do wonderful things in you. So you're praying an individual prayer for you. I'm praying the corporate prayer over all of you. So let's do this. One, two, three, let's pray. Father God, I just pray for each and every family member here. I pray, Lord, that you impart boldness, that you impart a greater level of faith, that you impart courage, God. I pray for a divine impartation of Holy Ghost provocation. I pray, Lord, that as we give you our office, 
we, that you will give us the opportunities as, we, as I pray that as we give you our boat and you push us out a little from the shore, I ask God that we see our boats begin to sink with the harvest of souls that is coming in. I pray, Lord, that we see divine healings. I pray, God, that as disciples are raised up, that we see villages, towns, and cities transformed by the love, the power, and the compassion of Jesus Christ. I pray for each and every one of you. Today is the day the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice. Some of you are going through difficult times and your boats seem unsteady. Know this, He's with you. Some of you may be in financial ruin. Know this, He's your provision. Some of you may need healing. He is healer. His whole DNA is healer. He spits on mud and puts them in a blind man's eyes. They can tell our DNA from our saliva, right? His DNA is healer. So God, I pray for each and every one. I pray for their loved ones. I pray for their family, their lost family. I pray for their community, their colleagues and their neighbours. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, receive, receive boldness. I pray for every soul that I've won. For Jesus, you win 10 more. Amen. I pray for every soul that I've won, you win 10 more. Every soul that I've won for Jesus, you win 10 more. In the mighty name of Jesus.